Second Samuel chapter 4, and I want to read a couple of, just one verse in chapter 4. Then I want you to take and mark also Second Samuel chapter 9. And we'll read one verse in chapter 4, and then we'll read in chapter number 9. If you love the Bible, say amen. Let's begin reading chapter 4, Second Samuel, verse number 4. The Bible says this, And Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son that was lame of his feet. He was five years old when the tidings came of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel. And his nurse took him up and fled. And it came to pass, as she made haste to flee, that he fell and became lame. And his name was... Mephibosheth. Chapter 9, if you will, verse number 1. David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul, that I may show them kindness for Jonathan's sake? There was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. The king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. Heavenly Father, we love you tonight. God, we are honored, we are privileged, and we are blessed to be in this place. I pray now that as we open up the Bible, I pray that the Bible would in turn open us up. Lord, we now begin to step into areas that we cannot go by ourselves. We now take on a responsibility that if flesh alone pursues it, it will certainly fail. But if the Holy Ghost of God will enable us, and if He'll preach through us and preach to us, God, there'll be help here tonight. And that is our heart. That is my prayer. And that's what I'm leaning on you for. Touch us now. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. You can be seated. We've come to Second Samuel. And as we begin in chapter 4, we are introduced to a young man by the name of Mephibosheth. Now, Mephibosheth is... Nothing to us outside of a promise that has been made concerning him. David and Jonathan have made a covenant together. David said, I will care for and I will watch over your descendants. And Jonathan agreed and David entered into this covenant together. David is now on the throne and David is now seated in a place of authority And it is now that this covenant is coming to surface. We are introduced to him in chapter 4 and verse 4. He is described here as a man that is fallen or a man that is broken. Ladies and gentlemen, may I say to you tonight, when I begin to look at the life of Mephibosheth, 
And when I began to survey all of the details that God has given us concerning Him, it doesn't take long looking at Mephibosheth and I see myself. Now, there's five mentions of Him in our Bible. And every mention, as I look into his experiences, I see myself. Some of the experiences that Mephibosheth shares with us, I see things that I want to see in myself. But oh, as I look tonight at the first experience, it's not something that I want to see. It is something that I plainly see. He is a fallen man. How many of you would agree with me that every one of us sitting in the house of God tonight, we are fallen? Matter of fact, can I say this? He is fallen and He is a broken man. Oh, God help us tonight to realize that every one of us showed up in pieces this evening. He is a fallen man, and we know that as his nurse carried him away from the kingdom that day, she drops and his legs are broken. But Brother Toby, can I say this tonight? Long before his legs were broken, he was already a broken man. You know why he was broken? Because he was a descendant of King Saul. And Saul was a broken man. Saul had the throne. Saul had the kingdom. But out of pride and out of arrogance and out of rebellion, God removed the kingdom from Saul and he said, I'm removing my spirit from you and I'm removing your seat. I'm taking you out of the kingdom. And Saul was broken and because Saul was broken, so Mephibosheth comes into this world a broken man. How many of you know that wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin? Every one of us are broken. Can I get a good amen right here? We're not broken because of what we do. We're broken because of who we are. So many times we try to say that our sin nature is the fruits that we see. But friend, it's not what we do that causes us to be broken. We were born this way. Every one of us, just like Mephibosheth, was born into a broken experience. I think about little Mephibosheth as he is raised at the feet of the king. I had a preaching grandpa that I thought hung the moon. My grandpa pastored a little church down in the mountains. And boy, when you went to grandpa's house, everything was all right. Can I get a witness right there? Brother Tom, he lived in a little old house that he had built himself. Brother Joe's been there. Had an old screen door on the front with a, with a spool, a thread spool for a handle and a spring on that door. You better get out. It'll break your leg. Grandpa didn't have much and just a simple country man. But I remember when I was at Grandpa's house, everything was all right. Boy, we'd go down there for Christmas and he'd give us some gifts that come in an envelope. Can somebody say amen right there? I still like them gifts that come in an envelope. You ain't got to get no receipt with them ones that come in the envelope. Boy, we'd open that thing up and there'd be a $20 bill. Praise God, when you're nine years old and you get a $20 bill, you feel like you're never going to have to work again. I mean, it's life. I'm just retired now. Life has arrived. 
Boy, I remember going to Grandpa's house and how good life was, but can you imagine how Mephibosheth felt growing up with Grandpa as the king? Brand new playhouse, sandbox, new pony tied up to the tree. I mean, this boy had everything. Now the news comes that Jonathan and Saul have died on the battlefield. And his nurse, his nanny, in a panic, she picks up this boy, and she knows that they're now a target, and she knows that their life is in danger. And she picks up this little five-year-old boy, and she begins to run for their lives. Can you imagine being Mephibosheth, watching everything that you've ever known disappear in the background? Everything that was going to be yours fading away as she runs in a panic and he is broken and he is fallen because he is the descendant of one that's broken and fallen. And he was broke long before he ever got dropped. But as she runs, chapter 4 tells us that she stumbles and she falls and somehow he becomes lame on his feet. I don't know. We don't know. I don't know if it was an injury that was not treated right. I don't know if it was an injury that did not heal properly. I don't know if there was a spinal damage that caused him to become a, a, a paraplegic. I don't know what the injury was. But I know this. At the age of five years old, He was not only fallen and broken because of his inheritance from Saul, but now he is broken on an individual level. How many of you will agree with me that we're all messed up because of our ancestry? We're all messed up because we're the descendants of Adam. We're all messed up because we were born broken. But then there comes a day in our life when we can no longer point to Saul and say, He's the reason I'm like this. There comes a time when we can no longer point back to Adam and say, He's the reason I'm like this. But we have to look in the mirror and say, Yes, I am the descendant of a fallen man, but I am broken for myself. He is a broken man. Matter of fact, not only is he broken, but he is broken to the point that his whole life revolves around his brokenness. How many of you tonight have got, have got an understanding that when things are broken, there's only two things you can do with them. You can throw it away or you can learn to live with it. Anybody learn how to live with broken things? Anybody got a washing machine at the house that when it hits spin cycle, it just might knock the pictures off the wall in the living room? Broken things. Anybody got an iron that you best not turn up over number four? Honey, it'll cut through steel all the way down to the floor. Why, why, if somebody pulled up in this parking lot tonight and tried to steal some of these cars parked out here, good luck, because you don't know the combination. Anybody ever had a car that you had to know the combination? Pull the steering wheel all the way to the left, pat the gas three times, hold your breath, turn it twice, and crank it on the third one. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Broken things. 
And instead of throwing away, we learn how to live with what's broken. And Mephibosheth in our text is a broken man. But instead of being thrown away, he is learning how to live with his brokenness. And he goes down to Lodibar, and he's living in the house of another man who is providing for him in his brokenness. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm trying to tell you something tonight. Every one of us sit, I don't care how nice your dress looks. I don't care how good your tie is tied. Every one of us in this building tonight, we are broken. And we learn how to live with our brokenness. And we find people that can support us in our brokenness. We find people that learn to sit through the shaking when the, when the washer's on spin cycle. We find folk that don't mind waiting on them three turns and that twist in the wheel. And we learn how to live with our brokenness. He is a broken man. He's messed up. He is broken and his life is not complete. He is a Fallen, broken man. And every one of us here tonight, just like Mephibosheth, we're broken. Things aren't right. There's things in us that aren't right. There's things in us that never have been right. There are things in us that we don't want nobody to know about. But we've learned to live with our brokenness. I got my truck parked out here tonight, drove it up from Georgia. Several weeks ago, I was going to North Carolina to preach a revival. And I uh, got in my truck and put gas in it and pulled out and I put it in drive. And when I put it in drive and hit the gas, it revved up, but it didn't go nowhere. Transmission says, gone, nothing, not a zip, zero out. I had it pulled down to the Station there, the fella works on my stuff for me. And he took it apart and started looking at that transmission, and here's what he said. He said, Preacher, your transmission's out. He said, But the problem is that there was another problem. And he said, Matter of fact, he said, It was a defect from the factory. And he said, You had a defect in that transfer case. Listen now. And he said, what was broken in the transfer case made the transmission work that much harder. And he said, truthfully, your problem wasn't your problem. He said, your problem was one part was working hard to make up for another part. And he said, eventually the transmission couldn't keep making up for the transfer case, and now it's all broke. He said, it came defective from the factory. And I say to you tonight, every one of us has come defective from the factory. You know what happens in our lives? Because we are broken. Oh, I'm going to preach right here now. Because we are broken, we make other areas of our life work overtime to make up for where we're broken. Then we wonder what's wrong with our marriage. Listen to me. The only thing wrong with your marriage is it's got two broken people that's trying to fix each other in it. We wonder why our church is messed up. It ain't that the church is messed up. It's that the church is full of broken. 
struggle like Mephibosheth, broken, leaning on somebody else to make up the difference. And all of our lives, we wander from place to place, face to face, with our broken condition. Can I get some honest people in here tonight? How many of you know that we've all come broken tonight? We've all come broken. Every one of us, I'm going to say that till I feel like you really believe it, every one of us have shown up broken. Every one of us have got a defect from the factory. And every one of us lean on others and we wonder why they can't carry us because they're as broken as we are. And we're broken. And we're fallen. And just like Mephibosheth, living a life on the run, hiding out, so nobody will see just how broken we really are. He's a fallen man. He is a broken man. But I sure am glad I can say that in chapter number 9, this fallen man now becomes a forgiven man. (laughs) And as he is forgiven, now I want you to notice that he is still broken, but he's better. See, I'm not going to tell you that when he got called to the king's house that all of his infirmities got healed. I'm not going to tell you that when he got called to David's throne room that now he can miraculously walk and he can run and he can skip like everybody else. He did not get healed. He's still broken. But thank God, he's better than he used to be. Look at me tonight when I got saved. God did not fix all of my problems. I could use some amens right there. God did not patch up everything that was broken in me. He did not mend me a hundred percent. I'm still broken. But thank God, I'm better than I used to be. He's broken, but He's better. I want to show you a couple of things in chapter 9. If the Lord allow me and if you'll listen and if you'll help me, I want to show you how Mephibosheth is better Because he is forgiven. First of all, notice this with me. He is better because of the pursuit of his forgiveness. Now, notice this with me in verse number 1 of our text in verse 9. Chapter 9. And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. Verse number 3. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto them? Ladies and gentlemen, it was not Mephibosheth that sent word to David seeking to restore that relationship. It was not Mephibosheth that said, We really ought to work this out and get things right. But it was David that sent a word down to Mephibosheth and said, I want to show grace unto you. Here's what I'm trying to tell you, is there's none that seeketh after God. I'm trying to tell you, it wasn't you that went hunting for Him. Thank God, He's the one that came looking for me. 
Mephibosheth has been pursued by David. It is David who has chosen to show the kindness of God. David reaches out to him. Now, imagine this. The Bible says in our text that David sins to get him. Verse number 5, Then King David sent, I love this word, and fetched him out of the house of Makar, the son of Emil from Lodibar. You know what that word fetched means? It means that he went and he got him and he brought him all the way to the throne room. I tried to tell you that Mephibosheth is a broken man. I tried to tell you that he is a fallen man. He is hiding out down there in Lodibar. He is worried for his life. He knows he's a threat to David. And he knows that David could take his life because he could be an enemy of the throne. Here he is in the back bedroom of another man down in Loaded Bar. But thanks be to God, David knew where he was. And David wasn't there to hurt him. David was there to help him. And David fetched him. That word fetched, it means to carry. He went and picked him up. And I believe those servants went in the house. I believe they picked up Mephibosheth. I believe they brought him to the chariot. I believe they drove the chariot all the way to the front door. And when they got to the front door of the, of the kingdom, of the, of the palace, thank God they carried him all the way in to David's throne. They, they fetched him. you imagine being Mephibosheth broken? Fallen, embarrassed, and ashamed. And now he is brought and sat in the presence of King David. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 that we have been accepted in the beloved. Accepted. Mephibosheth, as he comes to David, and as he's laid before him, he's damaged goods. He's messed up. He's tore up. He's seconds. He, he wouldn't pass inspection. Somebody say amen. He, 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 doesn't, he doesn't cut the bill. He doesn't meet the bill. He doesn't fit. But yet as he sits in front of David, David accepts him in the blood. A couple of months ago, I was sitting at the house and I, I, I got to looking. I was needing a new coon hunting light. And uh, how many of y'all like me, you just redneck enough, you don't like to buy something unless you've held it in your own hands. I don't like buying stuff off the Internet, but I, I couldn't help it. The only place I could find what I was looking for. And I called up to Michigan, the very top of Michigan. Lady answered the phone, and I began to tell her what I wanted, and I placed my order, and she asked me for my email, and it's got the word pastor in it. She said, are you a preacher? I said, yes, ma'am, I am. She said, what kind are you? I said, I'm a Baptist preacher. She said, you are the fifth Baptist preacher today to call and order a coon hunting light. She said, why is it all you preachers coon hunt? I said, ma'am, because between midnight and 5 a.m. is the only time the Baptist will leave us alone long enough. To do something. And so I ordered it. I, I, I was worried about 
ordering it online, but I, I, I gave her Miss Amy's credit card number in case something messed up. Amen. And I ordered my light. Boy, I, I'm telling you, I was like a kid at Christmas. Every afternoon, I was out there waiting on that UPS truck to pull in. Finally, after about four or five days, I seen that big brown truck pull in, and he got off, and he went in the back and got a box, came out, brought that box out, and I'll tell you the God's honest truth, it looked like the local hockey team had used it for practice. The corners was beat up, the tape was coming off, the writing had got wet and in the rain, and it was streaking down the side. And I thought, dear God, if it looks that bad on the outside, what is on the inside? And that UPS fellow handed me that clipboard. He said, I need you to sign for it. And I'm holding this beat-up box. And I said, well, hey, whoa, 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 hang on a second now. I said, what if I sign for it and it's tore up? He said, that's on you. I said, that's on me. You, you want to ask me what Brown can do for me? I'll tell you what he can do. He can bring me my light in one piece. I said, you mean to tell me once I sign for it, that's it? He said, when you sign, it's yours. He said, i got places to go. Well, I wanted to stick it back on the truck and send it back to Michigan. But I was so curious. I couldn't help. But take that pen and sign my name. I took that box, corners beat up, tape peeling off, marker running down the side, and I carried it in the house. And I opened it up, and inside of that box was just exactly what I had ordered in the condition I had ordered it in. You see, hallelujah, I wasn't buying a box. I was buying a light. And I wasn't buying it for what the box looked like. I was buying it for what was on the inside. I can see Mephibosheth coming down that hallway into the throne room of David. Here he is. The box is beat up. The corners are torn. The tape's peeling. But David said, I'll sign for him. I'll put my name on the line because I'm not buying him for what he looks like. I'm buying him for what's on the inside. David said, I don't care that he's crippled. I don't care that he's handicapped. I don't care that he can't do anything for me. I'm buying him and I'm signing for him based on what's on the inside. We're broken tonight. I said we're broken tonight. Some of y'all don't believe that. Keep living. You will. We're broken tonight. We're messed up. We're defective. We're in pieces. We come from a long line of brokenness. But thank God, because He pursued me, He signed for me just like I was. Now He is pursued and He is forgiven and He is better because David pursued Him. Notice this. Not only do we see the pursuit of His forgiveness, but now... I want you to notice the praise of His forgiveness. Notice verse number 6. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, what did he do? He fell on his face and did reverence. David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold thy servant. 
Look at verse number 8. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant? Oh, I like this. That thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am. How many of you see praise in Mephibosheth's words tonight? The very word worship in itself means for a dog to lick the hand of his master. And when we begin to think about Mephibosheth, he is in a strange place because David wants him. But there's not one, oh hallelujah, there's not one thing that Mephibosheth can do for David. Think about all of the descendants of Saul that David could have ended up with. Mephibosheth's not a warrior. He can't go to battle. David was a man of war. He loved the battle. He loved the clanging of swords. He loved the thundering of hoofbeats. He loved the battle cry. But Mephibosheth could never fight in one of his battles. Mephibosheth couldn't be a servant. He didn't have the ability to take care of himself, let alone take care of David. David said, matter of fact, I'm going to give you a servant and all of his sons are going to serve you. It took more to take care of Mephibosheth than Mephibosheth brought to the kingdom. And look at me right here. Don't you start thinking that God saved you for what you could do for Him, honey. He's got a whole lot more invested in us than we have in Him. Mephibosheth wasn't a soldier. He was not a servant. Well, Brother Tommy wasn't even a strategist. He had no political insight. He was too young when Saul was alive. He didn't know the ins and outs of kingdom life. He had nothing to offer David. But you know what he could do? He could praise him. And he fell on his face. And he did reverence. And he uses a phrase. How many of you believe that King James Bible is put together by God on purpose? He uses a phrase that is not accidental. He said, why would you look upon such a dead dog as I am? A dead dog. Now, I am a coon hunter. Can I get a witness right there? And I, at the risk of hurting somebody's feelings tonight, I'm going to go ahead and say this. I'm not a dog lover. And I like dog, but I'm not a dog lover. I'm a hound lover. I love my hounds. If I'm going to buy $30 a bag diamond dog food, it ain't going to be for some little old yapping mutt that wears sweaters and tutus. Y'all say amen right there. Now, if you like your tutu wearing chihuahua, then praise God, have at it, put it in a bag, take it to the mall. I don't, but that ain't for me. Somebody needs to say amen right there. Now, I'm glad you like them. Praise God for it. But I ain't no dog getting a sweater at my house. God made them with a sweater. Somebody say amen. I mean, they come with one. I'm sorry if that hurt your feeling, but I, I, I'm not crazy about every dog that's ever barked on this planet. I'm sorry. If I'm going to have a dog, he's going to get out the box at midnight. And look down a cold, icy creek and say, Oh, oh, I'm talking about belly rubbing, foam mouth, tree hugging dog. Honey, that'll bark so loud, the trains will get quiet riding by. That's what I like. I like a dog like that. 
You bring me a coon hound, and, and, and I ain't met one yet I didn't like. I like them all. I like puppies. I like a coon hound puppy that don't know what's going on, but he's just glad to be a part of it. I like a three-year-old dog that's got it down and they're in their prime and a three- or a four-year-old hound. And honey, I'm talking about like a well-oiled machine, poof, burning up the woods, tree and coons. I like that. Matter of fact, I like old dogs. I like them old dogs that get gray around the muzzle. And, well, that gets a little personal for some of y'all. I better just eat. I like them old dogs that's hunted and their nose ain't what it used to be and they're not as fast as they used to be, but they still get antsy in the box when they know they're going to the woods. I like them. Matter of fact, I'm going to turn y'all into coon hunters for this revival. Some of y'all are seeing the light right now. I'll give you that woman's number in Michigan. You can call her. Amen. Get you a light. A year ago, a year ago almost to the week, I was preaching revival down in Stark, Florida. And uh, you might be a redneck if you've ever canceled revival over a coon dog passing away. We was preaching revival. Brother Brandon was with me. We was in Smyrna Baptist in Stark, Florida. It was on Tuesday night of the revival. Church was over. The preacher had made reservations and carried us down to this fine seafood restaurant. Y'all, y'all ain't never heard of it. It's called Captain D's. It's really, I mean, top of the line. We're sitting in Captain D's and we're eating our cracklings. It ain't fish. It's just batter. Somebody say, amen. Ain't no fish in there. It's just batter. We're eating and my phone rang. I pulled it out, and it was my little boy, 11 years old at the time. And uh, just almost 11, 10. He called, and he said, he's just in tears. I'm talking about couldn't talk plain. He come home from ball practice, and my old coon dog, she's 13 years old. She is hunting, and she got hit by a car. And when he got home from ball practice, she was laying on the front porch. And he called Brother Tommy, couldn't even hardly talk. And he said, Daddy, he said, Mercy's been hit. said, I don't know if she's dead. He said, but I think if you get here, we might be able to save her. And I said, buddy, I don't know. I said, I, I, I don't know what's going on. Let me talk to your mama. And Amy got on the phone and she said, I'm pretty sure she's already dead. She said, she's laying here. She said, she's not moving. Dalton got back on the phone. This is what he said. He said, why, why is it you're never here when stuff like this happens? I said, I will be in about four and a half hours. I slid my cracklings across the table, jumped in my truck, grabbed my bags, and I drove home. Got home about two o'clock in the morning. He's sitting there on the couch, sleep, eyes swole up, face red, been cried himself to sleep. Next morning, I loved that dog. I'd had her since she was a puppy. Finest coon dog I've ever walked behind in the woods. The next morning we got up, and me and Dalton went outside, and we looked at her and rubbed her head, and she's dead. She's dead when they put her on the porch. And we talked about her, and I said, Son, you know what we got to do? We got to bury her. We drug her down behind the barn, and I tell you, she's such a coon dog, she treated two coons on the way to the grave that evening. <laughs> we got down there, and we dug that hole, and we put her in there, and we took a cross, and Wrote her name. Her name was Mercy. Wrote Mercy on that cross. A faithful friend and a loving hound. Wrapped her collar around that cross and buried her. You know, all that stuff. 
And I love that dog. And we'd had 13 years of wonderful memories. I loved her when she was a puppy. And I loved her when she was in her prime. And I even loved her when she was up in years and she couldn't do it like she used to. And I loved that dog. But when she died, I had to put her in the grave because there wasn't anything left to enjoy. You know what Mephibosheth said? He didn't say, why would you look upon such a dog as I am? He didn't say, why would you look upon me like a puppy or like a middle-aged dog or like an old dog? Mephibosheth said, I'm like a dead dog. There's nothing I can do for you. There's nothing I can give you. There's nothing I bring to the table. But thank God, when I had nothing to offer, He loved me anyhow. There's praise in his forgiveness because Mephibosheth knows how broken he is. He knows that he has nothing to offer, but David has taken him broken. David, hey, glory. David has taken him fallen. David has signed for him. He has accepted him. And Mephibosheth said, I can't do anything, but I will let you know that I love you and I'm glad to be here. There's praise in his forgiveness. Everybody doing all right tonight? Let me show you one more thing. Not only is he better because of the praise in his forgiveness, but Mephibosheth is better because of the promotion of his forgiveness. Look in verse number 7 of chapter 9. David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake. Now watch, watch, watch. And will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father. Look at verse number 9. Then the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertain to Saul and to all of his house. Look at me right here. When Mephibosheth, glory to God, when he got accepted in the Beloved, he got back everything that his fallen father had lost. He got it all back. You realize what Adam lost when he sinned in the garden? Do you realize what Adam threw away when man became broken with original sin? They walked in the cool of the day, and they heard the voice of God, and they fellowshiped with Him, and they talked with Him, and He talked with them. But that was gone when man sinned. But oh, thank God for the day that the Savior called me, carried me into His presence, signed for me, forgave me. I'm here to tell you, He restored everything in me that Adam had lost. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. I sure am glad for the good day that the debt was paid, that the will was rewritten, and I got back everything that Adam lost. I don't have all of the tangible benefits yet, but there's coming a day. Mark it down. Heaven's going to fix everything that earth has broken. 
He received restoration. But not only did he receive restoration, but I want you to notice that he was restored and he receives preservation. Look at verse number 7. David said at the end of verse number 7, look at it, look at it, and thou shalt eat bread at my table when? Continually. Look at verse number 10, middle of the verse. And thy master's son shall eat bread when? Always at my table. The end of verse number 11. He shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. Verse number 13. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table. He's trying to tell us that he came from Lodibar where he was starving to death. But thank God now he's got a permanent place at the king's table. The word Lodibar, as you may know, is a word that literally means a place with no pasture. No pasture. If you have no pasture, then you have no bread. If you have no pasture, then you have no grain. If you have no pasture, you have no cattle. If you have no cattle, you have no ribeye steak. Somebody say amen. He's been starving to death in a land that could not provide for him. The land of no pasture. Isn't it amazing that it was David that brought him out of the land of no pasture? And it was also David that said, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. It was David that said, For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture. David said, I'm going to take you from the land of no pasture, and I'm going to bring you to my table, and I'm going to sit you in green pastures. Because there is a promotion when he is forgiven. Now, I want to say something. Brother Brandon, come to the piano, if you will. Is that okay if Brother Brandon does the invitation? Come on, Brother Brandon. I've always heard this preached. Now, now, stay with me. I've always heard this preached. That when, that when Mephibosheth came to the table of David. Now, hang on a second. When he came to the table, and he sits at the table, that he is covered and his injury is removed and now he looks like everybody else. And I've always heard, and I probably have even preached that. And I always talk about how at the table he can hide his injury. At the table he can hide his brokenness. At the table you can no longer see what's wrong with him. But there's a problem with that. And the problem is found in the last verse of our text. Look at it, verse number 13 of chapter 9. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem. Watch now. For he did eat continually at the king's table. What's the last thing said? Chapter 9. And was lame on both of his feet. You see, in David's day, they didn't sit at the table and pull up under the table. They sat like they do still in the Orient, as the disciples did that night. Oh, glory! 
when they reclined and John leaned on the bosom of Jesus. They did, oh, I'm about to have a spell in here tonight. They did not sit and hide under the table. But rather, they reclined. Can I say this to you tonight? It's going to mess up some of you Baptists, but you need messing up. He didn't come in and hide his brokenness up under the table. He reclined. Matter of fact, if you're the fellow sitting next to him, y'all still with me tonight? If you're the fellow sitting next to him, you've got a better look at his brokenness than you ever have before. There's a whole, Brother Toby, there's a whole lot of independent fundamental Bible-believing Baptist that's been taught to sneak up to the table and throw your brokenness up under it so nobody sees it. And that is a miserable life. Running around, hiding your brokenness so nobody will know you're messed up. Only problem is we know that you're like us and we know us enough to know that you're as messed up as we are. Some of y'all are real uncomfortable, and I feel real good tonight. Yes, we've been taught, we've been trained, run, hide that, hide that, hide it, hide it. Yeah. Tuck it up under the table so nobody sees it. Yeah. Yeah. Mephibosheth didn't hide it under the table. <laughs> he sits at the king's table, and his brokenness is more in view than it ever has been before. Somebody sitting beside him might say, I don't want to come to the table and see all that. And Mephibosheth could answer, better get over it, because it ain't your table. (laughs) And if you don't like it, you better learn to live with it, because I ain't here by my own invitation. I was in loaded bar trying to stay hidden, but he came and he got me. And at the table... At the table, yeah. his brokenness is on display. Yeah, that's right. And all over this building tonight, there's broken people. Broken from the... Hey, listen, this may be too honest for you, but it really ain't honest enough. I wish I could tell you that when I got saved, God fixed everything that was wrong with me. I wish I could tell you that I didn't fight lust. I wish I could tell you that I didn't fight covetousness. It's called oxygen. Y'all get you some real quick, all right? It'll, it'll help your brain. I wish I could tell you that when I got saved, I didn't battle pride, but I got more pride than any one person ought to ever have. <laughs> I wish I could tell you that when I got saved, that lying was no longer an option. But my old flesh has been known to when it benefited me the most. I don't expect y'all to say amen because you're too busy tucking all your stuff up under the table. I wish I could tell you that jealousy didn't ever find a place in my heart. I wish I could tell you that I was all patched up and perfect. But there's still a lot of things broken in this old boy right here. And I'm broken, but Brother Toby, I'm better. Yeah. 
Because I'm not hiding in loading bar no more. I may be broken, but I got a place at the king's table. That's right. 